We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Wednesday night after the Wolves beat the Lakers by 20. Final score was Wolves 124, Lakers 104. That's nine wins in the last 10 games for this Wolves team. And you can tell. You can tell they're winning by how they're carrying themselves on the floor, what they're saying on the bench. You can tell that this team knows they've won nine of their last 10 games. It, it reminds me of Memphis earlier in the season, you know, back when the Grizzlies won their, they, they went on an 11 game winning streak right after Christmas and really put themselves on the scene. You know, kind of like the Wolves, you know, they're the Grizzlies, not exactly a franchise with a rich tradition of winning. So when, so when the Grizzlies started winning, they kind of started feeling themselves and they started, they started letting people know about it. I, I was in Memphis for the 11th game of that winning streak that, 11th win was against the Wolves and John those dudes were they were letting the Wolves know about it throughout the game and they were posing for pictures on the floor after the win it was that winning streak was a manifestation of the confidence that they that they'd earned and they took that confidence that they cultivated and sort of shaped it into a reality shaped it into their identity of this Grizzlies team and then, you know, sure enough, that 11-game winning streak for them wasn't a blip. Since that 11-game winning streak, the Grizzlies have gone 18-8. and eight. They've become the two-seed in the Western Conference. I mean, that is confidence cementing in. And the energy around this Wolves team right now reminds me of the energy around that Grizzlies team at that time. It was new. I mean, that's nine wins. Like we said, in the last 10 games for the Wolves, 10 and 2 since the All-Star break. They've won 12 of their last 15. They've won 17 of their last 22. They've won 25 of their last 35. They've won 37 of their last 58. I stole, stole those numbers from Alan Horton on Twitter. But I think that's a little more than confidence, right? Like The Wolves came into this season as a confident team. We didn't know if that, that confidence was naive or misguided. But... As the season's played out, that confidence has grown. And when you stack confidence in a way where you can back it up, like that's that's swag, right? This Wolves team now has swag. Here's Anthony Edwards. We're at 27th tonight on, uh, as he refers to it, his uh, 
his swaggy Timberwolves. And that, that excitement that you play with um, is part of that kind of also sending a message to the league that, hey, these aren't the old Timberwolves. Like, this is a new a new day. Yeah, we yeah, these ain't the Timberwolves that have been losing since, like, I heard they haven't been winning since, like, 03 or something. 04. Yeah. I was, like, three years old. But, yeah, this is not the Timberwolves that didn't, never, that didn't have swag since 04. Like, nah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm coming with a lot of swag, so. You know, and I'm I'm putting that in my teammates, and Pat Bev coming with a lot of swag, and he putting that in the teammates. So we're gonna go off that. Yeah. Working off that, do you feel like you guys unlocked Carl's swag? Yeah, definitely, definitely. He cat last year said a word on the court. Now he's talking crazy to people, and it's because he got swag. Right now he got swag. You know what I'm saying? He killing drip coming to the game. Yeah, showing off the watch, showing off. You know what I'm saying? I'm with iced out chant. Yeah, he's swaggy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Love that. Love cat. I feel like you see the biggest difference. Like last year in Miami, he almost like seemed to almost maybe kind of back down and he doesn't do that anymore. Nah, he ain't never back down. It's just um when he had no swag. You know what I'm saying? Like now we got two people who got swag and and they and PB swag is like he just off the off the charts, you know what I'm saying? So he going to make everybody have swag. He make my swag go up. <laughs> and I feel like my swag is as high as it can get. But nah, yeah. Cat swag is definitely um, rising, man. It can get a lot a lot higher. So yeah, people are in trouble for sure with Cat. People have been in trouble with Cat lately. Obviously, the 60-point game is going to stick out. But this has been a pretty consistent thing from Cat. And tonight was another 30-point night. Just 26 minutes of play since the All-Star break. Cat is averaging 27 a night, 10.5 rebounds per game, 40% shooting from deep, and 62% shooting from two. It's true shooting percentage, way up. I mean, we've talked a lot about Cat's evolution over the course of this season, really playing a different type of game than he has any previous year in his career, you know, in the post way less because that's where he gets doubled, playing out of the mid-range more because it's harder to double him there, shooting fewer threes because he's prioritizing attacking the basket. But the latest evolution, which is really just kind of since the All-Star break, is, is one that does follow that pattern. And it's it's leaning not only further into the driving game, but also getting more effective at driving. And the latest way he's evolving there is by getting to the free throw line. Since the All-Star break, Cat is third in the league in free throw attempts, only behind Embiid and Giannis, which is a pretty big deal. I asked Cat... Uh, What's kind of gone into that these past few weeks after tonight's game? Carl, we've, we've talked a bunch this season about how the drive is a bigger part of your game. Um, you're getting to the free throw line on those a lot more frequently now, too. Are you, you feel like you're picking up the craft of drawing fouls in, in that action? I don't think so. I think I'm just getting uh, those calls because it, it becomes... I'm going so aggressively at the basket, it becomes almost impossible not to call it. I think that's it. I don't I, I don't think it's like a craft, you know. I'm not getting the D through the arm and this, you know, so I, I don't after they changed the rule, it was something that I, I took out the game. You know, I used to do it a lot in the mid post, get the ball in the post, get it a little two steps away, look around, look for the arm, get it. I saw Joel Embiid had a lot of he was having a lot of success in the NBA doing it. So I was like, why? Well, I might as well try that too. So um, I just think that I'm going downhill with such such tenacity that it, it's almost it's sometimes uh, 
I think it's very hard not to call it. You know, it it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on uh, on the league not to call it. They've been calling it 108 free throw attempts for Cat since the All Star break, and he's making them too. You've probably noticed we've talked about it that Cat has changed his free throw mechanics in the last. Well, he changed it five games ago. So in the last five games, he's taken 51 free throws, made 47 of them. That's the good news as it relates to fouls with Cat. But obviously, if you've been watching these games, we know that getting called for fouls. Um, we haven't we haven't swagged that out of Cat's game yet. Tonight was another foul trouble game for him. It's I mean it's been a trend here these past four games. He had three fouls in the first quarter against Orlando on Friday. Three fouls in the first quarter against Miami on Saturday. Five total fouls in that San Antonio game on Monday that probably prevented him from scoring even more than sixty. And then tonight he picked up two early fouls in the first four minutes of the game. Picked up a third in the second quarter. So. His minutes were again limited, uh, which, which is actually kind of nuts because this, his minutes have been limited almost every game since the All the All Star break. Just because there's been a lot of foul trouble, he's averaging 27 and 11 a night while only averaging playing 30 minutes a night. And given the the evolution on offense and the growth on defense, which that growth on defense, like let's keep remembering that, like. Remember when Cat was, I mean, we started sleeping on that. Remember when Cat was a terrible defender and that was just like, all right, this is what it is. I mean, that's not the case anymore. Given the growth on both sides of the ball, this, the growth on both sides of the ball for Cat, I mean, I think this foul stuff is really kind of one of the last horizons for him, right? If he could do everything he's been doing without consistently getting in foul trouble, I mean, we might legitimately be talking about one of the best players in the league. I do think there's still a ways for him to grow there. I think there's some mental unraveling that has to happen there. I mean, there is a disconnect in Cat's head about what is happening related to calls and what the refs are seeing happen. And I mean, refs have bad nights. That's certainly happened this year against the Wolves. They do. And, you know, Cat's been on the bad side of that before. There's definitely been games this season where Cat has gotten a bad whistle. But the refs are not bad every night. And at some point, as the refs every game constantly shuffle and Cat is the one constant here, we do need to acknowledge that this is not just about the refs. Um, I, I think, again, some rewiring has to be done there in Cat's head as it pertains to the refs. The first reaction on every single foul call can't be that the refs made a mistake. I mean, it's 228 fouls on the season for Cat. Those haven't all been missed calls. But at the same time, like when we used to make a list of the things we wanted more out of from Cat, it was a longer list. It, the foul thing's always been on there, but there were other issues. This is really, again, like the last sort of horizon thing. And so I think as a Wolves fan, you got to look at this glass half full. Like, yes, the foul stuff is a problem, but the growth on defense and the growth as a competitor, the growth as a leader the growth as a teammate. I mean, all of that stuff is pretty undeniable. Cat's been a star. He's been a solid defender and he's been a good teammate. I thought Patrick Beverly's comments on Cat after tonight's game were really interesting. He acknowledged that there are still some foul call things to get over with Cat, which, which is just true. But Pat's message was clear. Like, Cat is nothing like what people told him 
cat would be like when he got to Minnesota. Here's Pat Beth. So what is the importance for you of staying in Carl's ear, maybe when he's down um, or maybe he's in foul trouble or whatever the case may be to just go out there and, and dominate? He's, he's a very, very special player. Uh, to, 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 to be a big like that, he, he plays with so emotion, like so much emotion, like so much passion, like for the game. And you really don't see that a lot, you know. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, the passion he plays with, you know, whether it's a good call, whether he, you know, he's getting the right calls or, you know, whether he's not getting the right calls. You know, my my, my job is, you know, to continue to preach to him how dominant he's supposed to be every night. And, you know, he's he's not one of those guys that fights back. You know, you tell him something once and he just says, OK, I'm going to be dominant and literally goes out there and does it. So, uh, you know, my, my, I thought my biggest task when I came here was going to be cat. And um, it, it's not it's 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 not me. You know, it's it's been great, man. You know, of course, you hear all the stories about different players before you, you know, before you meet them. And, uh, you know, guys, they tell me this. They tell me that about Cat. And, and to see him, my person was totally opposite of everything that I've heard. So, uh, you know, he's the he's the engine of this of this of this of this team. And, you know, we can only go as far as you can take us, you know. So uh, it's my job to, you know, it's never not never about this game. It's all about, the you know, the ending, you know. So I get it. Finished product of, you know. You know, him, you know, not complaining a little bit with the refs or him, you know, getting down on himself or him in foul trouble. You know, if I if I can kind of eliminate all that and just hit, have him play the purest basketball he can play, you know, I think that we'd be a great team, you know. So that's my job. That all very much goes against the narrative coming into the season, right, where people were afraid that, you know, Pat Bev might have a similar impact on Cat that Jimmy Butler did. Not a good one. I mean, that's proven to be very wrong like jimmy and cat pat bev and cat know they need each other to achieve the goals that they have but i think the difference with how these two work together is that they're willing to do it together during cat's postgame presser tonight he he talked about how he was on the bench with pat bev in the third quarter tonight when the lakers were coming back in the game the wolves were up 21 and halftime looked like a game they were going to roll but midway through the third quarter la had it down to i think like seven and Kat said he was sitting on the bench talking to Pat Bev about the comeback. And he said that Pat Bev told him that the Wolves were losing the lead, that the Wolves losing the lead was Kat's fault. Bluntly said that to him, because which was true. I mean, Kat picked up his fourth foul early in the third quarter, so he couldn't be out there when the Lakers were coming back. Pat Bev was right, but but Kat took to that. Kat said, quote, after the game, I got challenged by him. And you know what? I'm going to respond to that. That goes back to the relationship we have. I think that's real. Cat also went on to say that Pat Bev is the soul of this team. He respects him. He said he sees Beverly to be the Wolves' dream up. Again, this kind of reminds me of Memphis. That Memphis team isn't just good. They're a group, right? John Morant is their best player, but that team's identity, if you actually watch them play, is not John Morant. A bunch of dudes on that team, all the dudes on that team, they piece together the Grizzlies' identity. And I think top to bottom, they know that each of those individual roles and the collective confidence from executing those roles is what makes them what they are. Jock can't do it on his own. We know very, we've seen six years of Cat trying to do it on his own. That doesn't work. Not even superstar players can do it on their own. Look at LeBron tonight. It's bad news if the identity of your team is just your best player. Once your identity of your team becomes that of a group, then you have confidence. You know, water that confidence with some wins and 
Like Ant said, you got swag. I think that's what's happening in Minnesota right now. All right, let's mix in a quick break here, and then we'll get deeper into this game. Also got a little announcement to make. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 20-point win against the Lakers on Wednesday night. It has been a long time since we've had a close Wolves game, it seems like. I mean, the 10 games they've won since the All-Star break, just added it up. It's by a combined total of 188 points. So average margin of victory of almost 19 there. I mean, most of those 10 wins were blowouts. And then on the other side, they've lost two games, lost to Orlando. But one of those other two losses was a was a blowout, too. They got blown out by the Sixers by 31. It's just been a very weird stretch in the schedule. But that stretch is 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 over now. It's it's very much go time. The Wolves have 11 games left in the season and outside of one three game run against the Rockets, Wizards and Spurs, the other eight games are against teams with winning records, some of the best teams in the league. Chris Finch was asked after tonight's game about that upcoming run against a different level of competition. It seems like the treading water part of your schedule is over and I'm wondering if is it easier to coach a team when you know you've got opposition that they know they have to play their best to beat and you've got the stakes to the point where they are now. Is is this going to be an easier way to motivate this team, do you think, moving forward? Well, I think it's the right challenge at the right time for us. You know, we we played well enough to put ourselves in this position, 11 games over 500. I think we uh, earned that. I think we deserve that. Um, but we know the competition gets a lot stiffer, but that's what we want. I think we need, we need that right now. This is kind of a little bit of a... Um, you know, a check underneath the hood, if you will, so we can we can see what we got to do as we get ready for this, you know, all important stretch run, and hopefully a postseason. One of those final eleven games is March twenty seventh against the Boston Celtics in Boston. It is a Sunday, like early evening game. Tip off is at five p.m. And for that game, I will be at Forgotten Star Brewery in Fidley, Fridley. <laughs> We are going to host a Wolves watch party there. I'll be there. Burt Robson will be there. And we'll just watch the game. Uh, for those of you who who weren't at the event we did at Forgotten Star in the summer, it's a it's a really big space. So I don't think you have to uh, worry too much of, you know, at least having a, a table or counter to kind of uh, be at there. Also, um, I, I know we're still in the middle of a pandemic and, and those sort of things. So I outdoor space there, too. So. Um, it 
just as a heads up, it was like over 500 people last time. I believe I don't want anybody to be um, overwhelmed uh, by that, particularly um, given the COVID situation. But um, I'm looking forward to it. They, they got TVs in there, of course, and we'll also have a big uh, projection screen playing the game there as well. That's March 27th. Um, I'll keep bugging you about it. But remember, it's a 5 p.m. game that day. I'll be there at least an hour before. So feel free to come early. Lock down a spot if you are going to come. Again, Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley, Minnesota. It Fridley sounds far away, but it's less than a 15-minute drive uh, from downtown Minneapolis. And along those lines, we are bringing back the Forgotten Star of the Game segment we were doing earlier in the year where we pick one under-the-radar player who stood out um, in that night's game. For me tonight, the choice was was pretty easy. Uh, it was Torian Prince. He was the forgotten star of tonight's game in my book. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk at all about uh, the injury that Jaden McDaniels suffered uh, in San Antonio on Monday night. It is a serious injury, probably one that will keep McDaniels out until the playoffs are close there to it. McDaniels is being reevaluated in two weeks on that injury, and then maybe we'll kind of see a timetable from there. But what is clear is that in the meantime, his role needs to be filled. And obviously that filling doesn't come all from one place. This team doesn't have any, you know, Jaden McDaniels facsimiles. It, it would be a bad move on Finch's part to say, hey, go play like Jaden McDaniels. You know, that's guys don't have that skill set. But I think if there's one place that, I don't know, that maybe the majority of Jaden McDaniels minutes and you know, impact is replaced. I think it's in Torian Prince. And I know it's only been one game without McDaniels, but I thought Torian Prince was excellent in that role tonight. Offensively, a player who isn't only a catch and shoot guy can also put some pressure on the rim by driving. And then on defense, maybe more importantly, a player who can guard big wings. Prince can do that. And tonight, Prince hit three timely threes in the second half. Again, that third quarter when the game was getting a little dicey. And he also handled the duty when he was out there of guarding a big wing, the biggest wing, LeBron James. It, was, it wasn't it was just Prince on LeBron all night. Vanderbilt was guarding him at the beginning. Ant was guarding him some, but I think Prince played a big role in slowing down LeBron too. Uh, overall, uh, LeBron only had 19 points on 21 shot attempts tonight. Again, they're not going to be able to perfectly replace McDaniels. That just doesn't really work. But in the depth that I think this team has developed over the course of the season and just kind of the nature of, I don't know, like positional versatility that has kind of been a big part of the how the way the Wolves rotate players in and out of the game. I think that has just the depth and that versatility has sort of prepared them to be able to survive McDaniel's absence. And I think Prince is a huge part of that surviving if it if it is going to happen. I think just Prince's progression this year has been super impressive to me. He was on the fringes of the rotation at the beginning of the year, out of the rotation at one point. But, you know, as a vet, he stayed with it and has very clearly become an integral part of the Wolves bench as integral as anyone. If you cut the Wolves season in half right now and you just look at these last 36 games, Prince is shooting 42% from three and 60% from two in that time. Obviously not huge counting numbers. He's only playing 14 minutes or 17 minutes per game. Sorry. Um, only eight points per game that doesn't stick out. But if you toil over into the advanced stats part of it and the impact on the game, the scoring, 
The Wolves have outscored their opponents by 11.5 points per 100 possessions in the 601 minutes that Prince has played over these 36, last 36 games. Only Jordan McLaughlin has a better net rating in that stretch than Prince does, and only Carl Anthony Towns has a better true shooting percentage on the team than Prince does in that time. I think, I think Torian Prince was very clearly the forgotten star of the game tonight, but really I think he's kind of been that for the past, you know, two and a half months for this team. I'm I'm just not too worried about the Wolves being able to survive the McDaniels absence so long as Prince can continue playing like this. Again, Forgotten Star Brewery uh, will be there Sunday, March 27th for Wolves Celtics. And I know I owe you a, a bigger McDaniels injury conversation, but I'll have Britt on the pod tomorrow. Um and we'll dig into that because it is it is a big I'm not trying to diminish the loss of McDaniels. I think this is going to be something they're going to have to survive. But we'll save that uh, for talking with Britt tomorrow. Let's wrap tonight with prize picks. I stunk it up again. The losing run continues. I made four picks, went one and three. My one correct pick tonight was on uh, LeBron off night. I took the under on 47 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for LeBron tonight. That total suggested he would have a game noticeably better than his season averages. And that, to me, seemed okay to pick against. And it did prove out to be true. LeBron only finished with 19 points, five rebounds, and four assists. I did another pick on LeBron, though. Got that one wrong. I took the over on four and a half, made free throws for him. LeBron did take five, but only made two. And then I once again fell for the over on one and a half made threes for Cat. I thought maybe... You know, the San Antonio game would open up the floodgates a little bit for Cat to start shooting threes again, but only three of Cat's 30 points tonight were from beyond the arc, so missed that one. And then I also, for some reason, bet on Austin Reeves. I took the over on 13.5 points plus rebounds and assists for him. A lot of fifth starters have been producing against the Wolves lately, but Reeves did not. He finished with just seven points, three boards, and one assist. So that is one and three on the night. Uh, which brings me down to 148, 130, and 10 on the season. Still over 500, but that's slipping away. I want to stay over 500 for the season. I hope those of you who have been playing prize picks have been doing better than I have. Obviously, a ton of basketball games to make picks on here in March. Prize picks has you set up with lines for Wolves games, of course, but they've also got individual player props for the NCAA tournament. So if you'd like to sign up for an account with prize picks, you can do so at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app, and they will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code DANE. Just my first name there. All right. I uh, I think tonight is the first time for me that it's really set in that the season is almost over. Uh, the Wolves are 41-30, and 30, which obviously means they only have 11 games to go. Uh, as the games to go number decreases, the opportunity to make up grounds Makeup ground in the standings is also dwindling. The Mavs and Nuggets, again, both played tonight. and Again, both won. So that same gap in the standings remains. Still a game and a half behind the Nuggets. Still three games behind the Mavs. Dallas is actually now tied with Utah. So I guess you can say the Wolves are only three games behind the Jazz. Now for the four, too. Um, I don't know. I'd... <laughs> it's this is this is getting tough. You know, picking which one is close, like. Is it dumb to say that I think Dallas is their best chance? It's three games, but 
I'm starting to wonder if catching Dallas might just be the Wolves' best path to getting out of the play-in simply because they play Dallas two times in the final 11 games. I I don't know. It's just been nearly impossible to make ground on these teams, at least when you play Dallas, you know that if you get a win, then Dallas gets a loss in those games too. Uh, that first Dallas matchup is on Monday in Dallas, big game. But before that, before they get there, it's Giannis and the Bucks coming to town on Saturday. That's next up on the schedule. Again, next up on the podcast schedule is Brit on Thursday. Uh, we'll get to that tomorrow afternoon, and that will be in your feed on Thursday night. 41 and 30, nine of the last 10 for the Wolves. They're winning. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.